Welcome to the Batir We Go podcast, coming at you from the Batir We Go studios. That is in Dallas, no, Texas. No, too much information. That's too much information. You don't know where we are. No, you know we're in Dallas. And we that's could it. be Dallas. We could be. We could be Dallas, Georgia. We could be completely remote. All of this could be a fabrication, fully done on the internet. This could be a figment of your imagination. This could be or, all in the cloud or the matrix. You never really know, do you? Yeah, the Matrix is one of those things where we may be getting paid by machines to make you think this is real. Anyway, anyway, we're not talking about the Matrix today, but we are gonna we are gonna talk about sciencey things. We're gonna do a science a science hour. Right, but first, I just want to say. Um, shout out to that one person from Costa Rica who downloaded our podcast last week. Hey, thanks for downloading the show. Right. Hopefully you had fun. No clue who that could have been. We don't know you. Or if there'll be a repeat customer. Maybe we know you. I don't know. But you haven't, you haven't told us who you are. Did I tell you that I have a theory of how they came upon our podcast? You did tell me, but you haven't told the audience. Oh, okay. Um, this is a good tangent or not tangent segue. Segue. Um, no. So last week in an effort to like figure out what we're going to talk about, I was looking for articles and one popped up on my Google like page or whatever. And I was like, Oh, this will be fun to talk about, which was the, the article about Hank the tank, the black bear running Hank around the tank, whatever that town was. So we, our podcast comes out like super early on Monday mornings. And so I, when I woke up on Monday morning, I checked Twitter like I do to get my news, and I noticed that Hank the Tank was trending. And I was like, now, I, did I for a split second hope that it was trending because our podcast was trending? Probably. But no, it was not. The article was trending. So I somehow picked like the most trending article of the weekend to the point where it was trending on Twitter, which I'm assuming that's how somebody from Costa Rica found us is they were looking for information on Hank the Tank and somehow our podcast came up. Yeah, we should have, we should have, we should have leaned on that a little bit more. I mean, like, do you want to know what two people in the middle of a place called Dallas think about this black bear situation that they have absolutely zero relation right. to right well and, and it's come funny, listen to the podcast it's funny because like i i the title of last week's episode was like r.i.p hank the tank and i don't know if anyone has like gone in and paid attention to like the summaries of our episodes but you could probably easily tell like my utter disdain for writing because <laughs> i i do not try for the summaries i'm like i just i don't have the creative energy i've just spent over an hour editing a podcast only 12 of y'all listen to maybe uh-huh, uh-huh. uh so just from the title alone is how i think this is purely assumptions unless we have a friend in costa rica we don't we don't have any kind of data we don't get this kind of data we barely even know where people come from in fact that costa rica could have just been a vpn Somebody trying to hide their hide their tracks. Maybe they're not allowed to listen to our podcast, and they're like, "Oh, in watch Costa this." Costa Rica? No, not in Costa Rica. That's the point. They're somewhere where they can't hear us, so they VPN through Costa Rica. Oh, yeah, yeah. I do have an update on Hank the Tank. Do you? I do. And let's hear it. And honestly, it's a relief. 
this is from the New York Times, so you know it's trustworthy. Um, don't, please, no one text me and, and argue with me. About, <laughs> I'm not, I don't have the energy anymore to argue about that type of thing. So don't. I know, you, I know you're sitting there thinking about it. New York Times. Don't. Please, How dare you? I'm not the person you want to pick That's up. That's not with. news. Anywho. Okay, so Hank the Tank was exonerated with DNA evidence. They have discovered, because they have taken, somehow they have the resources and ability to gather DNA evidence from the multiple, like, sites of where Hank the Tank is, like, broken in and, like, whatever to these places. And they have determined that Hank the Tank is more than one bear. It is uh, multiple bears. I understand now. Um, which is good for Hank because that means um, they are not going to euthanize him. So that's good news. Bad news is uh, we don't know if that's his name. <laughs> we don't know who's Hank. Also, who's like the massive bear that we have a picture of? That's what I'm the mo- more <laughs> concerned with. Isn't that Hank? I don't know. Is Didn't it? they like catch this this massive bear and say, you know what? You are Hank the Tank. I don't think they've caught any bear. It just says DNA evidence collected over the past several months showed that at least three bears were involved in the break-ins. Oh, it's Lake Tahoe. Oh, Lake Tahoe. That's right. I've got Until the update, it had all been pinned on Hank, whose who's portly frame and prodigious appetite were looked on across the world as some mix of admirable and relatable. So I'm pretty sure that that picture of that obese bear is hank this is this was my favorite line as it turns out humans are not great at telling bears apart (laughs) (laughs) it's a good news for hank he will most likely avoid being euthanized um they're trying to trap them all and tag them all this is one of those situations where some people will say why are we spending taxpayer dollars looking at DNA evidence of bears. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. People like, will say, somebody this, paid for this. this is a waste of our taxpayer money. But you know what? Those same people are probably the ones saying, I don't want to go around killing bears. Yeah, I'm just here to collect the data. Yeah, so I think it. I think this is a good situation. I, I was under the assumption this was one bear, many break-ins, and I said, sorry, buddy. Fifth strike, you're out. <laughs> but it turns out he's only up to two strikes. No. Maybe not. Right. I, this, again, queen of unpopular opinions, I I kind of feel like Hank is less special now. Like, I like the article said, like, I was impressed by the level of break-ins and the size that he was able to get. Like, I was just, like, this one bear was wreaking all this havoc and evading capture like that that's like that's your next disney plus movie right like not the Dis- <laughs> you're not going to see it in theaters but it will like, pop I, up I on the plus i would think this would be a disney channel tv show animated. no not tv show disney channel original movie like Hank the ones the that they had every month that's what i think starring the bear or it would like befriend a child and the child was like 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 the, the child was breaking in and getting ever, Hank no, food. No, no. Did you ever watch the Amazing Panda Adventure growing up? 
No, but I remember Stop. hearing about it. Oh my gosh, we have to find it and like let Jake. Yeah, okay. Jake will then want to own a panda, but didn't we all when we watched The Amazing Panda Adventure? I still uh, want like to this... own a panda, and I don't remember that movie. Pandas are just so cute. This is not the plan for our conversation, but I just have I just have to talk about this movie because it was so amazing. From memory, I think. I feel like his parents were there to protect the pandas from poachers. Somehow the kid ended up in the middle of China or right. Pandas are native to China. Yes. Okay. Um, and he gets lost in the jungle, but he finds this baby panda who some, somehow, and I mean like baby, baby panda has somehow evaded capture from these poachers hunting it. And so this baby panda teams, and this is not animated. This is live action. So I don't know where they got the baby panda. I digress. But this baby panda probably from China and this kid like team up to like get to safety and become like BFFs at the end of it. And I just remember like this little ball of fluff. Oh, wait, there may be another girl in it because I also remember them getting into a river with leeches. I could be confusing that with another movie at the time, but it was awesome. I don't know why that was related, but if Hank the Tank looks anything like that baby panda. I'm pretty sure that picture was Hank the Tank. That big, morbidly obese bear. You Okay, but who is Hank the Tank? Which bear of the three is Hank the Tank? You mean the morbidly obese bear, who is Hank the Tank, which break-ins is he? Right, so we got to name the other he, two. Yeah. Hank, Frank, and Stank. <laughs> Diane, Stank? <laughs> there's not another Hank. Hank, Frank, <coughs> and... Anyway, anyway. Bank. <laughs> <laughs> Unimportant. Banksy, the the bear. Bank and Banksy. He's the one who made really <laughs> cool drawings <laughs> from his break-ins. Look, he just broke him one time. He never did it again. He does not want to be involved in this. All he did was he broke in to prove a point. <laughs> right. It was pure principle. It was he does not want to be a part of any of this. He was there to make a statement. <laughs> And that's it. Right. He made a statement and he's moved on. Right. (laughs) Silly Banksy. You'll see Banksy the bear later (laughs) when there's time for a new statement to be made. He's on tour. (laughs) Anyway, um, is it time for science time? Science time with Joe. Well, I think that, yeah, so we're going to go over a few science articles because it's fun. And a lot of it was because of Hank, the tank, and the beauty of modern science helping save that bear. So we're done with Frank, or Hank, or Banksy. We, we're moving on. On Monday, no, oh my gosh, when this podcast comes when out. When this podcast comes out, the world will know. Right, we don't have the information yet, but that is when the IPCC climate change report will come out. Joe, what does IPCC mean? Interplanetary climate change? No, it is the International Panel on Climate Change. Ugh, I feel like they could maybe, have done a better maybe. job with the name. Let me look it up. Okay, Let me look you it look up. it up. So the IPCC, I guess, is do they do the Doomsday Clock, or that's a different person uh, that or a different organization? Like, I don't. The Doomsday Clock. The Doomsday me Clock out. sounds more like. Propaganda. It's like the 20 seconds to midnight or whatever. whatever. Anyway, we don't need to talk about the doomsday clock. Um, what do you think? you think it's going to be bad? I think it's going to be bad. Do you have any inklings based on your uh, the whispers, the little birds that talk to you? So what it stands for is intergovernmental 
panel and on climate change, not international panel on climate change. But all that being said, what do I think it's going to reveal? I think it is going to, I think they're going to maybe highlight two major things. Okay. The first is that nobody's done anything. That's, yeah. We're continuing and up into the right trajectory. Nice, nice. Usually that means, like, if you're in, if you're looking at, like, a financial statement, that's great, right? It means you're increasing. If you're looking at, like, like climate change, that's If you're looking at the, the temperature of the climate, Probably not a good thing. Right. So I think they're going to highlight that. They're going to make a few more assumptions, make a few more predictions, and and say we're all going to die. Cool. Okay. And maybe maybe they're going to say it sooner rather than later. Or maybe they're going to say maybe it's not as bad as we think. Right. I did, while looking at that article, I saw something that said climate change could increase risk of wildfires 50% by centuries end. Yeah, so that is something that's that, a United Nations report. Yeah, and that those kind of doom and gloom statements are that's are like made, the worst case scenario. Those those statements are made pretty frequently, right? But is it, it is it uh, is it unsubstantiated or is it just like if you look at the data that is like the worst case scenario? I think that it if you look at the data that is a possible scenario. What that means is, and and I am getting a little over my skis here, in that it like I'm I have shown climactic warming in studies. I have not postulated what that does to the climate. So just just using that as a disclaimer is saying I am a scientist, but I'm not a like I'm not a climate scientist right. like that. We talked about this in a podcast of forever ago, and you wanted to clarify you are not a climate change expert. Not a climate change expert. But when it comes to something like forest fires, the the different parts that go into that are the weather. You have to have, in general, drier weather so that you basically have more fuel for your fire. You need to have the conditions to make more violent thunderstorms in order to create that spark to spark a fire or have someone like doing a gender reveal yeah but that's not what they're modeling right they're not modeling they don't have the gender reveal stat they're not adding like and humans are going to continue to want to (laughs) reveal their genders and there's going to be more transmission lines that fail like they don't do that got it this is purely based on the science nature. and nature. Although that would be that would be really interesting to see how many of the really bad wildfires are from human are causes. Are from human like or humans initiated. Right. Versus the ones that were naturally initiated. Cuz I think that's an important part to like slap people and say, "Hey, quit being dumb." Here's this bill for 3 million dollars, but also like stop it. Like, yeah, everybody quit get it it together (laughs) yeah so that that's that's a that's a tangent but all of those different factors if all of those align the same then they're stating there's probably going to be more and violent wildfires but that's a lot of different things that have to line up and we don't know if they're necessarily going to line up right this is my main question when it comes to wildfires yeah 
Because whenever I see, like, I've never been, we don't live, we're in Texas. We don't live near the, most of the wildfires. Um, there, some have happened. Our there are handle. Texas wildfires. Right. I just, it doesn't affect me. Um, unless it's like a big cloud of smoke that sometimes yeah, we causes haven't Dallas been, to be foggy. We haven't been affected recently. How, uh, how fast are these trees growing back? Depending on where they're occurring, in general, 20 to 100 years. Okay. Depending on what age and progression and maturity of and the forest. And so, because um, like I heard, was it yesterday, that one of the issues with that's affecting like the housing shortage right now nationally is the fact that like we, we have a shortage of lumber and the wildfires have like, contributed to that. But at a certain point, won't we have less wildfires because we'll we'll have less trees to burn down until they repopulate themselves? And is that shown in the modeling? I don't know if that's shown in the modeling, but yes and no. So there is plenty of organic fuel that is grown every year right? Like in order to burn. And- yeah, there is, there's plenty there to continue having these wildfires. And really after, say, five years... If you go somewhere that has that has had a a lumber cut after five years, it is very thick and very very full of more fuel. Especially if it was just if it was just like kind of all cut down and then just let let to grow back, like it's very full of material. So I think that there is there's that aspect that it to reach. To reach maturity and harvest stage, it can take anywhere from, I think the fastest growing lumber trees are on the order of 10 years to maturity. How do you know all this? Well, a lot of this comes from hunting and and, oh, here's this, and you always surprise property me management for that. The most random information you know. But a lot of the, like the really, and that's like pine trees and pine is like everywhere. And so for pine Pine forests, what you typically do is like a, I think you have everything on like a five-year rotation. And by the time you're done rotating your your sections, the first harvest was 25 years ago. And you can go in and harvest that again. Awkward question. Yeah. Do you think wildfires smell nice? No, they smell like fire. But like burning pine trees, like that, I like the smell of campfires. I mean, I don't want it to like burn my house down, but, but I like the smell. But it's not what it's not is the spruce candle that we have <laughs> during Christmas, Christmas time. Oh, gotcha. It's not that. Oh, okay. Then I don't. It's want a it. it's a campfire. Right. Right. Okay. okay. It's, it's it's a little different. I okay. I won't. I go, think you were mistaken. I won't go purposely start a wildfire <laughs> anymore just for the smell. No, but. When it comes to wildfires, since we're talking about them, they are important for the environment. Right. They're like the natural ones that like replenish. Yeah. There are there are a lot of stages that a lot of of kind of deciduous forest ecosystems that require fires because that is what rejuvenates them. Whereas the wildfires that we're having now, there's the problem that we don't have the we don't have the amount of moisture in the ground so they are a, they burn a lot hotter and they kind of burn through everything so they're they're more deadly in that sense they're not just like a how to how to explain it it's almost like it's almost like the difference between 
trying to like warm up a pan so that way it's a little bit easier to clean versus running your kitchen oven on the deep clean cycle where it literally is like 700 degrees just trying to burn everything off. A fire that's burning at like 300 degrees that maybe just kind of burns everything on top, but things below the ground are fine. Whereas burning at like 700 degrees at that point, you've like cooked the first, the first like foot of ground underneath and any of the seeds that are there, any of the roots that are there, that all dies. Mm, it's like scorched earth policy. Yeah, kind of like that. With with that, there are there are a lot of different steps when it comes to fire management and right. and um, forestry management, really. And with the climate changing, that is one aspect. But just as we have started fires by doing gender reveals and started fires, well, this one was proven to not happen, but potentially starting fires through transmission lines, breaking down and causing electric sparks, like those things that we're doing, we can also help the cause by properly managing the forest to to do more frequent, more controlled burns to take out a lot of that extra dead fuel that doesn't need to be there. We can do it through proper forestry management and cutting down trees in a, in a more reasonable and a more effective way. Is that not happening? Not really. No. Why not? Well, a lot of the, I mean, it's funny. We have so much money going to the government yet things like the Bureau of Land Management and the U.S. Forest Service, they're not getting the money they need to do this basic maintenance. Is it like, uh, so I'm going to just use California as an example, just because they're the ones I hear the most with the wildfires. Is that a state thing or is that a federal thing or is it both? I think it's both. Okay. So there needs to be federal funding to take care of it in national forests, national parks. Got it. Anything that is federally owned land. Right. They is need more the, money. Is federal agencies requirement but then it's also partially policy so california may say hey we don't want you doing any type of forestry management we want it to be totally natural but if you want something to be totally natural then eventually there's going to be a forest fire because that is a natural process right and just because i want to make sure we're not like spreading misinformation is that something is that a california policy or you're just giving a hypothetical? i'm just giving a hypothetical okay. situation like yeah so that's not necessarily a there are there was a quote-unquote let it burn policy that's so sad where <laughs> i just like who, but, who could have thought, thought the, of like a more positive name than let it burn yeah i think that was the colloquial term where the idea was that if a for if a fire was started naturally to let it then burn. you would let it run its course what that did and there i went to i went to yellowstone in 2008 as part of of my my undergrad and there were still Areas that were basically dead, barren landscapes because of like fires in 1988. Whoa. So after 20 a years. A natural fire? A natural fire that they just let run its course. And there are areas that still haven't recovered. At that point, it was 
So they didn't. It was 20 years they later. They changed policies. I think so. Wow. I think it is now a little bit more of a hybrid. God, imagine that guy hybrid like, model. yo, guys, I, I, my bad. That was a tad worse than expected. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it's one it's of those tad worse. you just don't know until right. you have one of those bad fires. Right. But let's... Let's move on. We're not talking about wildfires here. No. I mean, I mean, we were. We were. But we're but done. We're, we're done with that. So if you are so inclined, just quickly Google IPCC. Right. Today. New, Monday. New information. See how bad it's going to be. See what people are saying. Right. See when they say we're all going to die from a fiery earth. Moving on. Let's move on. So I have the next article. Many of you have probably seen this. I think I've seen it on the internet. Joe, I, that's sweet, but I doubt any of these people have seen it. I bet of this a lot of people have seen it. The title is 93 million year old killer crocodile discovered with a baby dinosaur in its stomach. Dun, dun, dun. So, what, what makes this a, is it a crocodile or an alligator? It's a crocodile. What makes this a killer crocodile versus just like a regular crocodile? Or is it just like clickbait wording? So this this is clickbaity, I think. Okay. I think it's clickbait. These are the top things that I first thought of when you read me this headline. Let me uh yeah, do that at the end. Remind me. I wanna read I wanna read to everybody the title of the peer reviewed paper. Oh. That this is I'm about. excited about it. Okay. Um first things first, you said ninety three million? Years yep, ago? Okay. 93 million years ago. I just think it's so funny that God in all his infinite wisdom was like, you know what? I really did it with this crocodile. It is so perfect that I'm not going to change it much over 93 million years. I'm just going to, it's like I could evolve it to be a bunch of different stuff, but I'm just going to keep it a crocodile. Meanwhile, other things are going off looking like craziness, changing every which way. But no, not the crocodile. It's like a maybe got a little bit bigger, maybe got a little bit smaller every there were, so often. Yeah, there were actually a lot of different crocodiles. But back you in never the day. saw one with like a like a crazy spiked tail or like a you know they all look like if I, if you showed me a prehistoric crocodile, I'd be like, yeah, well, yeah, it's a crocodile. Did you know there were mega crocodiles that looked like crocodiles but just were mega? Yeah, yeah, that's what and I'm then saying. There were, then when there were tiny crocodiles. That's what I'm saying is they all just look like crocodiles, kind of like like the megalodon, like the, the sharks. Sharks like are the same shark. way. They look like sharks. Looks like a shark. Or like, um, I think that's it. But sharks and alligators, or crocodiles, they are there prehistoric alligators or just crocodiles? That's it. That's going to get us on to a thing. That's too, that's too science-y. Secondly, I, when we were discussing this earlier, I was really excited about it, finding a baby dinosaur in his stomach, and you looked at me like I was dumb. No, no. That's totally cool. Totally cool. Because I've been watching on Disney+, Plus, like, The Secrets of Egypt, about mummies and fossils and stuff, because I'm a nerd, and they were talking about how um, it's actually very rare... Wait, false. It wasn't on the Egypt one. <laughs> I was watching one on um, Pompeii because there's like nine dead bodies found from Pompeii that they have the cast of okay. and three of which are children under the age of like six. And they said that we don't we don't have a lot of like fossilized bones or bones in general of children because their bones... One, I mean, typically you would survive to your adulthood 
or if you were didn't survive until or for adult to adulthood um kids bones are a lot more delicate because they are you know they're growing so fast and they're so small that they typically don't serve or i guess like the hypothesis or the theory is that they didn't they it's harder for them to survive like the fossil process and so when you said that they found a baby dinosaur i can only assume that the same rule applies that we i mean we have some dinosaur eggs but we don't uh, we don't see dinosaur baby bones or like fossils often because uh, I remember so Jake has a dinosaur book and in it they have like the there's a cut it's like a ABC so they have like a different dinosaur per letter of the alphabet and one of them is called like a nano T Rex and they only have like certain bones of this tiny tiny T Rex but he even says in the book like they're because there's so little uh, fossils of this type have been found. They don't know if this is a different dinosaur that is like a T-Rex but super, super micro tiny or if this is just a baby T-Rex fossil. So I just find that fascinating. It is fascinating. I, I, Joe's like, it's I think not. There, there are, there's a lot of really cool, really interesting stuff. They were using, they were using a synchrotron light source to look at this. Basically, like super awesome, fancy X-ray machines. They've got a 3D scan of the head and of the parts of the crocodile that they've got. They've got 3D scans of it, so it's it's really cool. And we'll include the the link to this specific article in the show notes. I know other people are talking about it, but this one has that CT kind of scan it really? in it. Yeah. Of the baby dinosaur? No, not of the baby. What? It just has like because there's there's just some minor pictures of the CT scan of those individual juvenile bones. Oh, so it's just like a bunch of bones, not like the like the little carcasses. Uh, yeah, it's more just like juvenile bones. But the the what I found funny was when reading the article, because I, I kind of skimmed it before, and in there the scientist guy was like, oh, the first time we ran this back five years ago, I looked at it and I was like, oh, those look like chicken bones. And I was like, hmm, let's see. Were chickens around 93 million years ago? Well, not chickens in their current form, but everybody says dinosaurs, chickens are modern day. Right, right, right are the closest relative to the modern day dinosaur. Right. So the fact that you think of chicken bones, when you see juvenile bones in a 93 million year old crocodile, like to me, it was like a, well, that's kind of obvious. Like it's a cool discovery, but at the same time, it is a obvious answer. Right. And this is what's so funny to me, the difference between you and I, you, Mr. Nerdy Pants over there, is like, oh, my God, this idiot. Meanwhile, I'm over here. I'm like, how cool. I wish I could look at bones and instantly be like, oh, yeah, that's chicken bones. I would never be. If you put a bunch of bones next to me of similars, I could not tell you what animal. I couldn't even tell you what bone it was, first thing. Secondly, it could not tell you what animal it came from. I'm impressed he even knew it was chicken bones. I, I fully I fully concede that point that it is it is very cool and he is very smart <laughs> and it is a it is a great discovery and it's very cool but the idea of like 
And I, I have these moments too when I'm looking at something and I'm like, wait a second, I know what that looks like. And then I like come to this realization. And I don't know how many times when I was doing my PhD that my advisor would look at me and just start laughing because I'm having this realization. And it's something that that he came up with and figured out like 30 years ago. <laughs> and now to him, it's like something that he takes for right, granted. Right, right, right. Um, unrelated yet related. And I, I think I asked you this question yesterday, but I want I don't remember your answer, and I want you to talk about it now. Um, was there any a point, ever a point uh, that you were interested in going into paleontology or archaeology, or you were straight up geology the whole time? Because I for sure wanted to be Indiana Jones as yeah. a kid. So I was straight up geology the whole time. With that, there was a period where I was doing ground-penetrating radar, and that was something that is a... It is a shallow subsurface, non-invasive technique where you can basically like look for for things in the subsurface. This is in that show that you were watching, the uh, dis- Secrets of Egypt. Secrets of Egypt. They were using ground penetrating radar to try and find new tunnels. Right. And that's basically the same thing I was using it for was to find unmarked graves. And it was something that I enjoyed. I had fun doing that, but it was not a, it wasn't something where I saw a, a clear career path and it wasn't, it really wasn't my, my passion at that time, which was, which was green energy and, and really seeing a, a direct a direct, um, what am I trying to say? A direct impact and a direct contribution to society. I thought it was really cool when I was finding unmarked graves. I was, that was my next question: was what, where were you looking for unmarked graves, and what did you find? It was in was a. This your, what was it? Was this this your was my my undergrad senior thesis. Wow! And I found a few unmarked graves in this cemetery called the Holiday Cemetery. Fancy. It was a cheery. It was a cemetery. It was a family cemetery that dated back to some of the first people buried in that cemetery were Revolutionary War veterans. Wow. So there were, I think, two Revolutionary War vets and then a, a handful of Civil War vets, like five or six. And then the cemetery stopped being used for a period of time ended up in my boss's grandmother's hands. She bought this property and the cemetery was on the property. She ended up cleaning it up and like basically restoring it. Restoring it and and basically like collecting all this data enough to write a historical a historical book about the cemetery. Whoa. This book has never been written, but there is there is Wait. enough there. <laughs> Got it. Like there's enough information that she just kind of like handed me when I was going in there to start collecting this data that you could really write a, a memoir about. Do you still have it? Yeah, I'll have to see. I'll have to see if I still have it. Oh my gosh, I would love to read it. It'd be such a fun. Anywho, do you such know, a fun project? Do you know what graves you found? Like whose graves? Yeah. No. Why not? What What did you write your paper? You're just like, oh, I found some bones, and then you, that was your paper, no, and no, then you no, moved no, on? No, 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 no. Good point, good point. Um, 
So this is fully non-invasive. So what I found, I found disturbances in the upper subsurface. So you don't even know what's down there? No, because there, there's a lot of there are a lot of regulations in that if you you can't just go and start digging up graves. Grave robbing. Yeah. Desecration of Yeah. Of, so yeah. so I found areas that that do not have headstones that look like they should be locations for graves that also that they don't have headstones but they also have a disturbance below them. So because of that, those are marked as potential grave sites. The issue there is that now you would have to go through a bunch of legal permitting to go and do an excavation of those areas. So that is it's a it's a longer process to actually go in there and figure that stuff out. Whereas what I did is I basically said, here are a few sites that look like the ground has been disturbed, which may be an indicator of of a grave that is not marked at the surface. Let's go back. Let's fill out the necessary forms. We're gonna dig up these bodies. We're gonna get that 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 Gates guy, the the the, the historian that does like the ancestry reality show or whatever and then we're going to connect these graves to some famous celebrity we'll get their autograph we'll be invited to their dinner get into the will we're famous we're rich mm. good that's good. the plan okay that is going to be the next the rest of that's this our podcast next episode. <laughs> our next our next four months is going to be a series of the holiday cemetery unearthed this is um, related again, but not related. It's just you you're, you made me think of a memory I hadn't thought about. I read this book in high school. It was historical nonfiction. And while you were talking, I was literally looking it up to be like, how much of that was historical and how much was it fiction? Because in the book, there are these doctors who rob, like during the Civil War, who are robbing grave sites for bodies to do medical testing on. Like to you, mean, anatomy. you mean Frankenstein? Well, that was over in the U.K., but this is the story of Frankenstein. Uh, that was not the book I was reading. And <laughs> as I mentioned before, they were robbing s- during the Civil War. Yeah, so, Frankenstein. <laughs> right, different country. Not Civil War was happening. But uh, they in the thing they, they were like that's how they learned about like anatomy and whatever is dissecting dead bodies. And they then robbed. they became again. Don't know why it was somehow also like a historical romance fiction. Or whatever. I was in high school. I'm sure it was related. It was so some did, book. Did these two people become the most decorated doctors and surgeons of the Civil War? Uh, n- n- it was a historical fiction, so these people were not real. So the answer is no. The answer is no. But when I was Googling it to see how much of that was fake and how much of it was real, I did find out that in the 19th century, students at the American Med- or at American medical schools stole the corpses of recently buried African Americans to be used for dissection. American medical education widely expanded in the 19th century, and with it came a demand for cadavers that exceeded availability. Fascinating. Boom. Wait, so what is the what's the title of the dinosaur paper? We got off topic. Yeah, so back to the dinosaur paper. But I think there's a lot of interesting stuff in this paper. I think it's kind of cool. It's cool that there are these discoveries being found that will ultimately turn into new discoveries. 
I think the title of of this pop science article about the paper is is clickbaity. And I think the way that it is written, it feels obvious. Obvious that it's clickbait. Obvious obvious answers as well. Like, well, what is a crocodile going to eat? It is, Joe, it is cool. I, as someone who is not sciencey, I find it fascinating good, that good. a baby I'm, dinosaur I'm has been found inside this crocodile. I'm glad. I'm glad. I, the the fact that it is found. And this article knows here, that I'm going to find it fascinating, hence why I put it in the here's title. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. I think it's fascinating that the that the baby dinosaur has been found. What I don't find fascinating, what the article kind of highlights, is the fact that a dinosaur or the fact that a crocodile is eating baby dinosaurs. Period. Like that's that's what okay. it's saying. I, again, I'm going to disagree with you here because when I, if you would have asked me before this article, hey Allie, what do you think a 93 million year old crocodile would have eaten i probably would have been like dinosaurs but baby dinosaurs this is one mean (laughs) crocodile i mean this guy means business he raided a little baby dinosaur nest (laughs) this is a whole backstory that's totally different do they like what else were they going to eat they're carnivores but then you add a baby to it and that's like an extra level of sad it tells a story joe i see what you're saying i hear you Maybe maybe I'm a little bit jaded. You're 100 percent jaded. So there's there's a few a few different reasons why that I will because you wrote an article about baby dinosaurs. No, no, I'm gonna I'm gonna qualify this here. One, I've watched a little bit too much of Swamp People. (laughs) Now let me let me just finish everything I'm saying. I've watched a little bit too much of Swamp People. What they use to catch alligators? They use baby dinosaurs. They use whole chickens. So when I think of, oh, there was a chicken inside of a of a crocodile crocodile stomach, oh wow. So there's that. There's more. The other thing, there's this Instagram page called Nature is Metal. Basically it's just a lot of predator prey interactions. Whenever you see any type of crocodile it's eating full-grown animals, but it's like it is going in and and eating animals. It's not like it's not just laying around like munching on grass. So like the idea of a crocodile eating meat, like that's that's another one of those things that I just take for granted and think is obvious. And then the idea of predators attacking the the small, helpless, sickly animals. That also includes the babies. Another thing that you see often on the Instagram page, Nature is Metal, the the young or the sick parts of the herd are the ones getting preyed upon by the predators. So to me, like this article like highlights as if it's a new discovery that a predator, a prehistoric predator, is is preying on Small helpless animals. That is the same exact thing that we see today. Okay, I'm gonna blow up this entire thing. But first, okay. I want to say one of my favorite things about you is that you are a Venn diagram of one human being. True, you are. True. You are simultaneously a hunter and a climate change warrior, a geologist, <laughs> and like a 
I'm trying to think of a like you're just like so many things that like, the average human being is not that like y- uh, y- of all people like this article was like the one thing that you know this is like the worst possible thing to <laughs> pop up on your feed. But secondly, I think you you are downplaying the fact that like we don't have a lot of fossils, right? Mm-hmm. Like it is fossils, it's very rare for us to have fossils, which is why when we have fossils of complete animals or dinosaurs, that's huge because not all the bones usually make it that far. And so I don't think this article was like, oh my God, we finally did it. We proved that crocodiles <laughs> ate animals. They also were carnivores 93 million years ago. No, it's it's like the same, like like when I'm watching that mummy show and they find a, like a mummy of a child, they don't look at that and say, oh my God, they also had children. <laughs> we always theorized about it, but now we have proof the Egyptians also had kids. Mind blown, write the paper, get the grant. No, like obviously all those things are true, but it is very uncommon to find food fossilized with these animals. So it helps add to the environment and the story and learn, like it's the anthropology of it all to just study how these ecosystems worked 93 million years ago. So Mr. Joe, who happens to know everything about everything, uh, I don't is, know everything about everything. <laughs> this is a very exciting. Dis- I think it's very exciting because it just you know it's a, a glimpse into a world that we'll never be able to see with our own eyes. I agree. You're right. So what's the paper called? One one last thing to qualify: the SMU paleontology department has been using CT scans since before I was even there. I started in 2011, so. We've been using CT scans for quite some time. So to me, like, that's another one of those things where I, maybe I'm a little bit jaded knowing that, yeah, of course, we, of course we're supposed to send these blocks with fossils through CT machines. Like, that, but that's what av- we should all be right. doing. But the average human being does not Doesn't imagine that. sending rocks through MRI or CT machines just like we saw on, on discoveries the show. right yeah. yeah you you are uh that's what happens when you go to science school right you you are studying a very uh, specific study that the the normal human being will only read about occasionally and so you know things that a lot of us don't know like i didn't even i mean obviously it makes sense that they would use a ct scan but you know, someone may watch a Discovery Channel show and be like, oh, I never thought. You know, they, people learn things, yeah. Joe. It's true. People learn it's things. True. What's the paper called? Okay. So this paper is called Abdominal Contents Reveal Cretaceous Crocodilian Crocodili Forms Eight Dinosaurs. So that's even a worse headline. I mean, this is this is the trouble is that they're stating that this abdominal contents is the first first opportunity to reveal to understand that Cretaceous crocodiles are eating dinosaurs. Yeah, that seems like a duh. Maybe we just don't know enough about paleontology because because I was talking about this and I think it's interesting that are crocodiles always known as crocodiles and are do, or do we not refer to them as dinosaurs and if so if crocod like ancient prehistoric crocodiles ate fish 
and not dinosaurs, is that a difference? And is this proving something that they did not know? Did they just think they ate fish and this is the first time we have evidence of them not eating fish but eating a dinosaur? It's a good question. These are all questions. We don't know the answers to that. Yeah. It might say in the paper, like what was the original. Is it like 3,000 pages? Let me see if I can. Let me see. There's probably. (laughs) Send that to my inbox. (laughs) Some light reading. Let me see. Let me see. You're, you, I know. You, oh. you got ways. Is it free? View PDF. Oh my gosh, email it to me. Crocodilians are among Earth's most successful hypercarnivores with their crocodilian form ancestors persisting since the Triassic. The diets of extinct crocodiliforms are typically inferred from distinctive bite marks on fossil bone, which indicate that some species fed on contemporaneous dinosaurs. Nevertheless, the most direct dietary evidence, i.e. preserved gut contents, of these interactions in fossil crocodiliforms has been elusive. Okay, that makes sense. So They just had like, hey, so we like think what, they're eating these, but we're not entirely positive, but now we are. Because yeah. we cannot make assumptions about something 93 million years ago, Joseph. So, we could very much be wrong. They were they were making the inference that crocodiles back then were eating dinosaurs. But they didn't know for sure because there's no direct evidence. Right. This is that direct evidence. And isn't that the definition of science? Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> <laughs> you know continuing nowadays, to ask questions and getting evidence to prove that you're right. Nowadays or I wrong. don't even know what science is. Yes, you do. You're a scientist, please. Well, I know what I think science is. <laughs> <laughs> just remember, follow the science, right? Sorry. When I was looking up stuff, I just realized um, this is our 30th episode. 30, the big 3 Can you believe it? Dirty 30. <laughs> boo, 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 boo. Um, I'm simultaneously proud and uh, embarrassed that and we disgusted. have 30. <laughs> this, hey. if this is If this is our dirty 30... What's going to be our fantastic 50? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I, whenever I think about the fact that we make a podcast for no one, I, I remind myself that, like, J- Jake will get, like, to his teen years. Or, like, if, some, God forbid, something terrible happened to us, he'd have 30 episodes of his parents just, like, <laughs> talking about random stuff. I, I'm, really, I'm really waiting for that time. You know how all the kids these days are wearing 80s hair, big hair rock band T-shirts? Mm-hmm. Like ACDC, Led Zeppelin. I'm kind of hoping that podcasts have like a resurgence heyday. Oh, like retro podcasts. And like somebody ends up falling upon, but here we go. And they're like, dude, have you heard these two it's so bad but it's so have you good. heard of joe and ally batir it's like a train wreck you can't they're like stop. 70 now they stopped like 40 years ago but it is just like it's like a snapshot of 2021 2022 could you imagine at my in, funeral them playing one of these episodes <laughs> i'm just thinking in 20 years like this is very similar to you earlier Pulling up Hank the Tank and being like, you know what? This is important. We need to talk about this. And then we talked about it. Boom. Went viral. Yeah. Hank the Tank, he's the president of the United States. (laughs) 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 What I'm saying is that in 
20... He solved climate change. <laughs> in 20, 30, maybe 50 years. They combined him with a robot. Okay, okay. He's now okay. the Germanator. Okay. We're not talking about Hank. <laughs> in 20, 30, 50 years, people could go back and listen to the... Just like listen to a series of podcasts and be like, this is what was going on during that time. And they could use that as a basis for an anthrop- anthropology study. Oh, 100%. Let's just hope that um, an anthropologist doesn't pick the one satire podcast out of all the options <laughs> and he gets a completely oh, different man. view of history than oh man um i i know you have a sponsor for us there's we don't have a hat sponsor this week what we have is a sock sponsor my sock sponsor for episode 30 is dell technologies dell technologies with their uh hexagonal polka dots one thing that you'll realize whether you are are in technology or into computing or anything is that every single one of these larger companies like Dell, like Nvidia, like Apple, they all have some some bigger thing that they're doing with big large companies and businesses. For people like Apple, it's stealing your data. For people like Dell, they're just going around trying to compute things. So, this doesn't really mean anything, but I like their socks. And if you ever see me wearing blue socks with 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 hexagons on them, that's because of Dell. So, thanks, Dell. Way to go, Dell. I don't know anybody who works for Dell, but I've got a Dell computer. Dude, you got a Dell? Dude, I already got the Dell. Man, whatever happened to that guy? Didn't he go to jail? Unclear. The Dell guy. I don't think there is a Dell guy. Not anymore. <laughs> you don't remember, dude, you're getting a Dell. I don't remember it being a guy. I just remember it being a slogan. It's not like the subway guy. Oh, no, there was a guy. He was a surfer dude. He was like, dude, you're getting a Dell. We're looking it up now. Finding out what happened to the Dell guy. Curtis, his tenure with Dell ended shortly after he was arrested and accused of buying a bag of marijuana in 2003. Dell terminated the role, and according to Curtis, he was blacklisted from the entertainment community, and it was difficult for him to find work. Hey, Curtis, if you're listening to this podcast, come on down. You can work for us. Let's be fair. His name is Benjamin Curtis. Hey, man, you can come work for us. We can't pay you anything, but we can get you back in. Also, especially considering that the majority of the entertainment community for sure smokes marijuana. Shocked that he 100%. got. One hundred percent. I have no idea why they blacklisted him. Anyway, we've gone too we've, <laughs> So, Dell, thank you for not sponsoring this show, but thank you for putting socks on my feet. With that, we need to end because we've run long. We're rambling a lot now, and and we're ready to to learn some more secrets of of ancient Egypt. But here we're gonna go. Bye. Bye-bye.